Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. If you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to meet you. Here's a change of schedule. Beginning April 29th until June 17th, we will be meeting at 8.30 a.m., 9.45 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 12.45 p.m. We are located at 65 East Williston Avenue in East Williston, New York. For more information, visit us at visitbeacon.com. See you soon. I got into a fist fight with a man named Oz. What kind of an idiot picks a fight with a man named Oz? He was actually quite uh, a large man. I didn't know that at the time because he was kind of off at a distance. We were in college and um, he was saying some things to my girlfriend who became my fiance, who became my wife, you know, or Cheryl. And, um, and uh, so I was mouthing off to him and one thing led to another and we ended up uh, in an actual brawl. Now, fortunately, the administration at the school decided not to call the real police. They called the, the fake, you know, the campus police, like the, not the fake police, but like the security that's on campus. And so they came by and they decided that uh, the, eventually the, they figured out an appropriate punishment for me and Oz for disrupting, you know, the whatever. And so uh, we had to do community service together. How many of you have had to do, no, I'm just kidding, do not raise your hands. I don't want you to be. So we had to do community service together. If any of you have done that, you know, they create a project for you. You work together with, you know, this, in my case, it was me and Oz. And uh, wouldn't you know it, through the course of our community service, we became friends. I mean, isn't that pretty neat? Like, we actually became friends as we found out we liked each other. We had a lot in common. We certainly had similar personalities. And uh, that's the unusual power of teamwork. It's just one of the neat things that teamwork can do. At Beacon, we have an amazing team of people. And, you know, we uh, didn't have to get into a fist fight to love them, which was really nice. Kristen Bruderer, if you came uh, at, uh, to the church right around uh, the springtime and Easter was, was here, then you saw all of these tulips and allium all in bloom. Well, that's because of Kristen. Kristen planted hundreds of bulbs last fall to make certain that everything was beautiful for the spring. She'd come after work, she'd come on Saturday mornings, and she would just plant lots and lots and lots of bulbs. Rob Castro, I don't know what we would do without him. He shows up every single week. He comes in, he just does an endless variety of things. He takes stuff out, he brings stuff in, he picks stuff up, he throws stuff in the trash, that he, and he, he cleans other stuff up, and he, he just does all of this work to make sure all of the other work can get done. Beth, she's been setting up the cafe behind the scenes, midweek, not just what you see on a Sunday here, but she comes in, makes certain that the kitchen is organized, that the kitchen's clean, that all the baskets are organized so that when the cafe crew shows up, everything is ready and waiting for them. Cream cheese and makes certain that the, that the silverware is there and ready. I mean, imagine that, no bagels or coffee. 
That would mean no caffeine. That means more of you sleeping during the message. Like, I really appreciate what Beth has been doing. Barb, I mean, Barb is sort of the elected grandmother of many of our kids throughout the years. Mine, when they were just, you know, really, really tiny, and even to this day still, how many of our kids have been impacted by the love that Barbara has shown them officially downstairs as part of the regular Sunday morning nursery, but also at a whole lot of other activities and events throughout, uh, throughout the year. A real blessing. Adam. So, you know, I remember Adam. Adam was like this big, right? And so um, that's kind of like the picture I still have. Now he's like a man-child because he's like, you know, bigger than me. I'm like, what happened? Like, where'd this kid? And, you know, Adam, he grew up through the, the program. So he was in Kids Quest as a kid and a participant. Now he, he's actually helping out in Kids Quest. But, but for years now, he's been helping fill the little cups. Like, do you ever wonder who fills all those little cups for communion nearly every week? is people like Adam, who behind the scenes, they get there, they fill all the little cups, and they clean out all of those trays, and they break up the, the matzah so that we can, we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together. I even hear that now he's helping out in the Fusion Worship Band. Very exciting to watch him grow up into all of this. Ryan Gong, he's the cornerstone of our discipleship efforts. He's hard to take serious in that picture. But he is deadly serious about helping both adults and the next gen grow up in their faith. And he's committed uh, an incredible amount of his resources to make that happen. I personally, not simply as a pastor, but as a dad, I owe Ryan an incredible debt of gratitude for the endless hours of service, of encouragement, of counsel, of Bible study, of prayer that he has offered up for all of our kids. But, but for my kids, as a dad, he's, he's, he's invested in them in a way that... Uh, was super, super special. You know, we have Gene Isbister. Christine will tell you, there's someone behind the scenes making sure all the details of Kids Quest happen, and that's Gene, a newer member to the team in some ways, and what an incredible gift to make certain that uh, that extremely vital ministry can take place. June, some of you have seen him around, and uh, he's a funny one. I started listing out a whole lot of different things that June was involved in, and I realized, like, it's just this whole long list. I've seen him pop up in so many different places, and he's always involved in small groups and disciple-making efforts and stuff, and just, like, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was walking down through the Kids Quest, and all of a sudden, I see June in the nursery. I'm like, he's everywhere. <laughs> this guy just, he, he just serves in so many quiet and sacrificial ways. Diana Martins, many of you have seen her when you've come in, you, you've shaken her hand, she said hello and welcome because she's on the first impressions team and that's what they do. But she also helps out with organizing all of our baby dedications. And so she actually interfaces with the parents and collects the pictures and makes certain all of that happens so that we can honor families and kids who are, who are taking that next step in their spiritual journey. These people, and the 149 of them who give an hour or more a week, plus the 60 additional people who help out in a whole bunch of our events, make up the 219 people who make Beacon work by doing the work of Beacon. And they are awesome. And these folks are all actually partnering with God, 
who is doing the work of his kingdom through Beacon. They're part of his team. And teamwork builds relationships. It always does. It enhances understanding. It creates depth in a relationship. opens up channels of communication, both verbal and nonverbal. You see it if you were involved in a sports team or if you were in the military or maybe some sort of a business task force, certainly in your family. How many of you, you know, you're, you've got a couple, a husband and a wife, and they're on a mission. They have been given a job to do to create a, the foundational social unit of society and to raise the next generation of citizens. You have a, a purpose if you are a married couple, and it's an important job. And as you're doing that job, how much depth of understanding do you get and relationship do you get? I mean, you know it, right? So a glance, one gl a spouse can glance across the room and just give a quick look and speak a thousand words with just, with just a glance, just the posture of their body, and you know all sorts about them. Communication, teamwork builds relationship. Now, not surprisingly, not surprisingly, this power of teamwork works in the spiritual realm as well. Teamwork doesn't just enhance our human connections. The Bible shows us that our relationship with God is better when we join his team. Let's open up in the Bible to Genesis chapter 1. This is the very beginning of the Bible, the very first verse, the very first chapter, some of my absolute favorite chapters in all of the Bible, and it sets the storyline for the whole arc of scripture. And one way to read the story of creation is God creating his squad. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So here's the picture he paints in these first couple of verses. He says, listen, out of this chaos that existed in the, in the primordial earth, out of this chaos, God carves out of it, out of the chaos, this perfect place for us to live. He gives us everything we would possibly need. He gave us food. He gave us purpose. He gave us companionship. He gave us love and family. And because of its peace, its, its beauty, because of the comfort and the ease, it is a powerful temptation to think of Eden as our permanent home. That we should just simply hang out there. But you see, God actually created us to accomplish his mission. Not to hang out in the garden. Though the garden was idyllic and absolutely beautiful. It was not actually our final destination. It was the starting point of a worldwide mission. You, you, you could think of Eden as a cosmic beachhead to take back the planet from the forces of the enemy. Look at verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. That's a key phrase 
theologians love to, to talk about. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth. He actually gave them a job to do as soon as he created them. So here's kind of another way to think about his strategy. God says, all right, here, here's how we're going to do this. I am going to put my image, whatever that mysteriously means, I'm going to put my image, the imago Dei, and I'm going to put it everywhere by putting it in everyone. I'm going to put it in you, and when you go out into the world as my representative, as my ambassador, then my image, my representation will be there as well. And in this way, the Imago Dei, the image of God, would cover the whole of the planet, essentially extending the boundaries of Eden until one day it would cover the whole of the earth. Now, part of being in the image of God is doing God's work. And it's amazing how often that we will miss this. I've read a dozen articles on the image of God and rarely, if ever, will they even brush up against the idea of service, of the work of God being a key part of the image of God. And it's so fascinating because when you read the story, it's just, it's woven into every part of it. Like for instance, the story starts with God doing his creative work. He makes all of this beautiful stuff. It starts with his work. Then he creates Adam and Eve, and he immediately gives them work to do. This is before the fall. This is before sin corrupted everything. Work is good. When God said this is very good, he was also talking about that work, the work of going into the whole of the planet and representing him, taking his glory everywhere. That was his work. Then Jesus comes on the scene, and what does he tell us? He goes, well... My father is always at work. I'm going to do the work of the father. So wait, Jesus comes and part of his mission, his express mission was to do the same work. In the same way that Adam had been sent and Eve had been sent, Jesus had been sent to do the work of God. Then we get to the very end of, of the ministry of Jesus here on earth in the physical form before he ascends to heaven and he sends us off in what we call the Great Commission. And many of us know this Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples of all people baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. What's he doing? He's saying, I need you to go out into the world, be my image bearer, and reproduce yourselves so the image of God might be seen everywhere. The Great Commission is simply a restatement of the original promise and command that we had been given in Eden. Nothing has changed. God is still doing the very same work that he inaugurated here in the Garden of Eden. And this is what's so beautiful about it. His mission makes all of us royal priests. Every single follower of Christ. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Those two words, those two phrases there are really important for us. So Eden is in a sense the first earthly temple. A temple garden, but a temple. And Adam and Eve were the first priests that were given the mission of extending the boundaries of the temple to the ends of the earth. 
Now, when we think of this work, to work it and take care of it, we, we sort of think that Adam and Eve were like the first two of a race of landscapers. You know, like they're gardeners. That's what they were going to do. That was the whole gist of their mission. But the context doesn't bear that out. And in fact, these two words, to work and take care of it, are the same words that are translated elsewhere as serving or guarding or looking after or doing the details of. When those words appear together, they usually actually refer to the work that the priests are doing in the tabernacle. Same language. So, for instance, Numbers chapter 3. It says they, who they're talking about, the priests, are to perform the duties for him, God, and for the whole community, that would be the rest of us, at the tent of meeting by doing the work, same word, of the tabernacle. They are to take care, same idea, same word, of all the furnishings of the tent of meeting, fulfilling the obligations of the Israelites by doing the work of the tabernacle. You see, that's the commission Adam and Eve were given in Eden, is to do the work, to take care of it, to serve, to protect, to guard the whole of God's temple. That means that Rob Castro and Beth Rodden and, and Ryan and June and Diana, they're royal priests in God's cosmic temple. That's who we are before God as followers of Christ. That is our commission. And God's mission makes us royal priests, which means for the church that we as followers of Christ like Adam and Eve before us, we're priests who take up this original charge. And all Christians are, in fact, priests in this world. Our prayers are the incense that goes up before God in the temple. Our lives are the sacrifice laid down on the altar. It's us who will keep the impure things out of God's temple to make certain that we best represent the holiness and the purity and the love of God in the world that desperately needs to hear it. So we who are in God's image, we fill up our sphere of life with the image of God and we begin to press back the darkness that presses in all around us like a beacon would on dark shores. And we press back that darkness and we reveal the true kingdom of God that is in us and in the world. That's what we've been called to do. And we can go deeper with God when we join his team. God will actually reveal himself to you when we do his kingdom work. Today we actually are ending the series that began on Easter. This whole series, is there anybody out there? We've been asking the question, how is it that you can hear God's voice? How can you know him? How can you experience his presence? It was supposed to be a short series. It's now been 10 weeks. We could not stop talking about it. We found all sorts of other ways we wanted to talk about it. And one of the greatest and most overlooked ways that God makes himself known to us is by working shoulder to shoulder with God in his kingdom work. Look at Genesis 3 verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
Now, this is a neat little verse because the, the picture here that I have is that, so God sends them off on their work. He tells them what they're going to do. They're going to start to press back the boundaries. They're going to fill the whole of the planet with the image of God. And God just pops in to say hi. He walks with them in the cool of the day. And I love that picture. Things go south for Adam and Eve at this point in a terrible way. But God wants his presence with his priests. He wants to walk with us in the cool of the day, but we have got to get out and about and do the work that he has called us to. And when we do, God shows up. He shows up. He meets us there. And he walks with us in the cool of the day. Henry Blackaby, he said, once you have determined to follow God by faith and you have made the adjustments, you must obey him. When you do what he tells you, no matter how impossible or bewildering it may seem, God carries out what he purposed through you. And then listen to this key phrase. Not only do you experience God's power and presence, he assumes that you will experience God's power and presence, but so do those who observe your life. Moses came to know God by experience as he obeyed God and accomplished his work through him. Moses went out and did the work of God and God walked with Moses in the cool of the day. What a promise. But he had to get out and about and do the work. Dallas Willard, he phrases it like this. So our union with God, his presence with us, in which our aloneness is banished and the meaning and full purpose of human existence is realized, consists chiefly, this is a big statement for Dallas Willard, chiefly in a conversational relationship between God and the individual soul who is consistently and deeply engaged as his friend and co-laborer in the affairs of the kingdom of the heavens. Co-labor, he puts it at the very center of hearing the voice of God, of experiencing his presence. The friendship that, cult, that gets cultivated, it's because of our co-labor with God. We go deeper with God when we join his team. For me, I most often feel closest to God and I experience more of his presence when I'm going about doing his work. So do you want to walk with God in the cool of the day? Do you want to experience his presence? Do you want his smile on your life? Then serve. Then get on with the mission of God. Find your place to serve and do it with all diligence and God will reveal his grit in you. Get out of your comfort zone. Let God teach you dependence and faith when you most need it. Get moving and be amazed at how it is that God will then be able to steer you according to his will. But you've got to be in motion in order to steer. Now, some of you might say, wait, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it. I got a question or two. I got some concerns here. I already serve. I already serve in, in the kingdom in many, many significant ways. Listen, I'm not trying to heap on more. I'm not trying to make you feel inadequate or guilted or anything like that. If you were already serving as a royal priest and, and you were doing what God has called you to do, no guilt here. Take this not as an encouragement to do yet even more. Take this as an encouragement to keep on keeping on. You're a royal priest in God's kingdom and, and experience that and live that with joy. There's no guilt intended in that. 
You might say, well, the problem is I don't actually know where I fit. Where can I actually fit in? Let it talk to us. Let's try some things on for size. Let's experiment here and try this for a few weeks and see that. Check this one out and check that out. Just see what might work. You might be amazed. You might, you might have no idea what your particular role in God's kingdom is. Let's give it a chance. Maybe you're in a place now and you say, you know what, it's just, I don't know, something isn't quite right. This isn't really working for me. Then let's change it. Let's just figure out what is because we know that God has uniquely gifted you in a special way. He has given you a, a personality and he has given you spiritual gifts and experiences and abilities and he's woven them all together into you, his royal priest. And there's a multitude of ways that we can be priests in his kingdom. There are countless roles that the priests in the tabernacle had to fill. Countless roles that Adam and Eve and their, their offspring, their children would have had to fill to complete the mission. Maybe you say, the problem is my life circumstances prevent me from serving. I got kids and I got really young kids and I have other problems. Maybe you have a special need you're dealing with or maybe you've got a parent who is, is sick and you're taking care of them and there's all sorts of really difficult situations. Maybe you actually are doing your kingdom work right now. So don't feel bad. Don't get beaten up. Or don't, you know, don't feel like, oh, man, I really wish I could do more, but I can't do more. Maybe that's exactly the life stage that God has you in. Maybe this is your priestly mission right now for this season of life. Totally get it. Then be honored in that. Maybe you say, wait, the problem is, are you going to burn me out? And I totally get it. Many of you come from a different church background and you have been, in fact, burned out. I certainly hope there is no one at Beacon who is getting burned out. If you are, if in some way you are in the wrong ministry or it's, it doesn't fit in, the, in the, the bounds of your life or your gift set or whatever it might be, talk to us. We have sorely miscommunicated if you feel like you have to keep going in and, and jeopardize the work that God is doing in your soul by doing the work of the kingdom. It's never meant to be that way. And if we have somehow created an environment where that is happening to you, we apologize and we don't want that to be ever the case. We are looking for a place where you can serve with joy, a place where you will find a kind of completion in your soul where you'll know that God's smile is on your life. So talk to us. Now, more than likely, just from what I know and I hear from you guys, I know few, if any, are getting burned out in, in ministry here, but you have been burned out in the past. And what we're saying now is we all have. We've been there. We understand it. Let's give it a try. Know that we want an open dialogue, an open communication. We're going to do whatever we can to honor your life circumstances and situations and gifting and all of that kind of stuff, free of guilt. This isn't going to be about what you have to do and what you should do. This is a privilege and an opportunity that everyone gets to, to walk into the fullness of serving in God's kingdom, and we want to help you do that. Now, you might say to me, here's the problem. I'm busy with work and kids and hobbies and a frantic life and all of that. And I totally get it. And some of this is really legit. Just life has thrown a whole lot at you all at once. And, and we've got to manage and figure that out. And some of it isn't legit. And just hear me out on this. And I'm not trying to increase guilt or anything, but just keep this in mind. We are at war with the forces of darkness. That's how this started. We, we weren't invited to go for a walk on the beach. We're invited to invade enemy space. It only makes sense that the enemy would do everything in his power to sideline you, to bench you. 
and piling one bad life decision onto another, onto another for the last 10, 15, 20 years, screwing around with our values so that we don't actually know what matters in this world and what God really values, and we certainly we become idolatrous in our attachment to all of these other things and pursuits, and we get our kids in certainly everything we can because we're idolizing their futures in some way, or you know, we're involved in too many different diverse activities. This happens, and sometimes we don't see that it's the enemy himself who is trying to bench you. That's where he wants you. He wants you on the sideline. He wants you just, just sitting back, cruising through, panicking and worrying about the little, little crises that come and go. That's where the enemy wants you. And if that's you, then work with us. Let us talk. Let's pray. Let's figure out how to break those strongholds and see if we can actually start to transform that past and those decisions such a way that we can use it for the glory of God and the extension of his kingdom. Listen, do you want to experience God's presence and his power? Then fulfill your calling as a royal priest. You came in, you saw the tents. This is the first ever Beacon Ministry Fair. We've never done this before. So we're really excited about the, uh, this Beacon Ministry Fair. Our, our hope is that you're, we're going to cut things short here. We're going to give you extra time. We're going to send you outside. We're going to say, go visit the tables, ask questions, talk to the different people, go to the different ministries that are set up. There's leaders and there's representatives out there. And we're just going to say, hey, what are the responsibilities? What are the requirements? What are some ways I can get involved? What are some other things that are going on? I tried this. I don't like that. Have an open conversation. Talk to us. And let's see if there are some ways that we can actually fold you into the very work that God is doing here. We're primarily looking to build teams for the fall because we have a whole lot that's going to be coming down the pike, some very exciting, potentially some very big things happening. And uh, we want to bring as many of you along in this incredible journey as is possible. There's also some other opportunities out there, partner ministries that are here. Go out there and see about Soundview and Long Island Youth Mentoring and the Inn and things like that. Uh, we've invited them in to help you in case uh, finding your role in ministry doesn't uh, fit here but fits better in some of those areas. I want to leave you with this thought, Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. The love you have shown God as you helped his people and continue to help them. Would you stand as I pray? Father, we're asking that you would do this work in our hearts in a pretty powerful way. Help us, Lord, to see and to experience all that you have for us as your royal priests. Lord, stir up each person's heart, overcome the hesitation, the fear, the concern. Break down our tendencies toward self-centeredness, Lord. Just woo us and show us the glory that is ours in your kingdom, the privilege that is ours as your royal priests. Let us find that place, those things, that area, that ministry, that work that you've called us to do to your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.